unlocking and unleashing the power of God in your life. And so as we bring this all to a conclusion about the obedience being a key to unlocking the power of God, it is absolutely apropos that we focus on the greatest example of obedience that we could ever have, and that is in Jesus. Amen? Amen. So grab your word, whatever form you have it in, and hold it up, and let's get ready this morning. This book is my all-sufficient guide for faith and conduct. Hallelujah. Then, convinced the living water changes everything one life at a time. Praise the Lord. All right, turn in your Bible as we talk about obedience, daily living out God's Word, the one of the key things that we have to have in the power of God being displayed in our life is obedience. And we are going to be looking at the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26, starting at verse number 36. We're going to be reading all the way through verse number 44. I'm reading out of the New American Standard Bible. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible... Let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he came to his disciples and found them sleeping, and said to Peter, So you men could not keep watch with me for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again a second time and prayed, saying, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, thy will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. And he let them again and went on away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. What an incredible, incredible example of obedience. And it is through that obedience that God worked the greatest miracle that man has ever seen to this day. And that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ and him ascending to the right hand of God. It's still 
is the greatest miracle and greatest plan and greatest message ever told. In fact, you have heard me say, and it is so right, you cannot think of Christmas without thinking of the cross. You cannot think of the cross without thinking of Christmas. The two are inseparable. They go together. For truly it is said, Jesus came to die. His whole purpose in coming was that he would die in your and my place that he would take your in my spot, that he, as the word of God says in Corinthians 5.21, became sin for us. He became sin. And God laid all of his anger and all of his wrath on him. He who knew no sin became sin that that was that that's just really strikes me it's not that just that he took your sin he became sin that's why the father turned it's why he couldn't couldn't be there But Jesus was willing to take every vile thing, every vile sin, and he took it on himself. If you don't think that this was a moment for Jesus to come to this garden with this burden on him, do you realize The whole point of Christmas is that he came as a baby, Emmanuel. He emptied himself of every godly attribute and he relied on his Father and the Spirit. So he was fully human and fully God. It is a concept we don't understand, but it is true. And because of that, we have to understand when he came to the garden, he didn't come saying, okay, now I'll pick those godly attributes back up and I'll just be God and I'll do this real easy. He did it in obedience to his father. He was still flesh like you and I. And he came to the Garden of Gethsemane and he was heavy and burdened because he knew what was about to take place. He knew what was going to be happening. And it is there that he begins to have this conversation with his disciples. And the first verse that I want to talk about and concentrate on today is in verse number 41 where he says, keep watch and pray that you not enter into temptation, for the flesh is weak, the spirit is willing. This is something that Jesus laid down as an example for us, and we need to grab a hold of it. We need to understand the power of the Spirit of God that lives in us. 
Yes, we are in a battle between the flesh and the spirit. No doubt, when Jesus was here, do you see what it says? He said at the very beginning, he began to be grieved in verse 37 and distressed. Can you imagine? I love the shirt where Jesus is benching the world on his shoulders. And it says, bench this. Bench this, the weight of the sins of the world. And it was this of why he said he was grieved and distressed. Then it goes on to say that he himself said to his disciples, I'm so distressed and grieved, I am at the point of death. that will have a tendency to get you out of your pity party. I don't care how bad we all have had it. None of us understand that. And sometimes in our narcissistic generation, we get so focused on self, we think that everything revolves around us, and so when we get a hangnail, we focus on it for weeks. You know what? Jesus was here and he had the weight of the sin of the world on him. And yet in him, because of the Spirit of God, he fulfilled the will of the Father. Do you hear me? How much more, how much more we need to be obedient to that Spirit of God that lives in us. How much more obedient we as Pentecostals when we read, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be witnesses. Where is our excuse? We have none. God has given us everything we need for life and godliness, the scripture says, for everything. Now, Jesus himself said it, so you're in good company. The flesh is weak. Jesus knew that. But the battle is still able to be won. And this is where I want to bring our focus in this first point that there is a battle between the flesh and the spirit. There is no doubt. But I want to draw your attention to Galatians 5, 16 through 20 and Romans 8. And I want to bring you to some specific scriptures. We may not read the whole thing, but I want to leave those up there so that you can write them down because you're going to want to look them up. Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse number 16 of Galatians 5, the Word of God says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. How is it that Jesus took 
on that distress? How is it that Jesus took on that overwhelmed feeling to the point of death? Because he chose to walk in the power of the Spirit and not in the flesh. Again, I think it does us well to understand he did not use his godly attributes at this time. He willingly submitted himself unto the Father and unto the Spirit of God that was in him. And he said, Lord, not your will but mine. Or not your, my will but yours. And so as we look at the flesh and we spirit, we know we must walk in the spirit. Now look at this. Verse 17. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. These two are in opposition to one another. So that you may not do the things that you please. The scriptures defining us all very well, aren't they? About how we struggle. But listen to what it says. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law of the flesh. Hallelujah. Then he goes on to talk about the deeds of the flesh and the deeds of the Spirit. So I want you to read all of that, but now I want us to turn to Romans. Turn back to Romans chapter 8. You've heard me quote this scripture so many times. I hope maybe you will have memorized it by now. But I would like you to read that whole portion there of Romans. In fact, the, the whole entire chapter of Romans 8 is incredible. But look at this verse number 9 first. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. But now verse 11. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. As we go back, looking at this passage of Scripture in Matthew, there is no doubt what Jesus was doing. He was not in His resurrection and in His power already. He was still in his earthly body, he still was under the Father's uh, direction and he was empowered only by being obedient to the Spirit. That gives me great hope. We can have victory. Now I understand there's not one of us who has not sinned. And I'm not telling you that we will get so perfect on this earth that we will not sin. But I am saying we need to stop excusing ourselves. Because the power of the living God, His Spirit dwells in us. And as we choose to be led by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God will quicken your body. And He will empower you to do what you cannot do. 
So if you want to see the power of God work in you, start letting yourself be led by the Spirit of God as Jesus did. The second thing we're going to look at, it's a concept you've heard me talk about, especially the last year, because in talking about the glory of God and the power of God, this is one of the hardest subjects to understand about God's character, but yet so important and is sovereignty. It simply means God is in control of it all. Isn't it interesting? And not by coincidence that God very clearly spoke that to us today. That He's in control. So where do we see this? Again, Jesus is our greatest example. Because here it says that he was overwhelmed to the point of death, and yet his first moment of coming to his father in prayer, he said, My father, if it is possible. Now, that's someone who has a grip on sovereignty. Do you hear me? That's not somebody coming to rub the magic lamp who wants out of something. Do you hear me? That's not someone coming saying, God, I know what you say in your word. I'm going to have you do exactly what I want you to do. That's someone who came knowing, I'm here to accomplish God's purpose. And if I yield myself to the purpose of God, nothing can stop what God has planned. That's the power we have in the Lord. It is not so that we can manipulate and do whatever we want. It's so that we can get on page with God and do what He has determined and wants us to do through Him. He's got a plan That plan is for people to come to Jesus. That's why we see healings. That's why we see miracles. But they're not to be used as our manipulative things for our pleasure. They're to be used for the glory and the purpose of God. That God's sovereignty would be shown. That His sovereignty would be revealed. God is in control. I'll say it again. God is in control. That doesn't mean God expects us to check out and just say, well, I won't do anything then. But what it means is you cast out fear. God spoke so clearly to us today. He's not the author of fear. Anything we do in fear is not based on faith. We've got to be acting in faith. Remember I said the only currency God accepts is faith. It's the only currency you can bring to him. Yes, we need to have faith. We need to believe God's word. So why don't we see some of the things that others see happening in the world, in America? Because I believe we become so self-efficient so self-reliant. We say we are rich and we have need of nothing. 
And so we don't see the power of God. We need to say, God, we're going to yield to your sovereignty and we're going to see the miracles of God. We're going to see God move in our generation. We're going to see God move and do miracles for the kingdom of God that people say couldn't be done. Why? Because God is sovereign. And by the way, that sovereignty is yesterday, today, and forever. That means the same God that did all those miracles is the same God today. He's the same God yesterday, and He will be the same God forever until He comes. When God said that He wanted to fill you with His power, He meant it. When He said, go out into all the world and preach the gospel, and as you do it, I will give you whatever is necessary, He meant it. Go out in His authority, go out in His power. Not only did Jesus pray that in 39... Look, he went away, found his disciples sleeping. Wow, that had to have been discouraging. Can you imagine? In the, I'm, I'm talking about the human side of us. Have you ever been in a fix? Have you ever been in, a, I mean, a really bad fix? And you went away for just a short time and said, would you please help me with this and watch with me on this? And you went away for a short time and you came back and whoever it was that was supposed to be there for you was totally doing their own thing? How did it make you feel? It's like, wow. Jesus had to have, in light of that, really in his flesh, thought, whoo. But listen, he responded in the spirit. He, say, he addresses it. He said, so couldn't you men watch with me for one hour? But then he stated what Jesus knew. He said, truly, the spirit's willing, but your flesh is weak. And I understand that. He understood the weakness. In fact, the Bible says he understands and sympathizes with your and my weaknesses. Because he's a high priest who has done it all and yet is perfect. It's in the book of Hebrews. So he came back the second time and he said, Father, verse 42, if, look at how his prayer changed. He first says, Father, if it is possible, let the cup pass from me. He goes back, he says, Father, if this cannot pass, unless I drink it, Thy will be done. That's a powerful prayer. That's a prayer understanding God's sovereignty. I've had people say, well, I think that's a lack of faith. No. It's just where the faith is. And I say to you, if your faith is in your faith, you're going to have a lot of problems. <laughs> but if you'll put your faith in God who doesn't change... Your faith will be substantive. Because all of a sudden, when you say, God, look, I'm in this for you, you all of a sudden say, Lord, I know what I want, but nevertheless, you do what you want, and I'm here. And that's what Jesus prayed. He said, if it's not that it can be that I, unless I drink it, let it be. And he went away again. And found them sleeping again. And then it says, for their eyes were heavy. Has anybody ever had that happen? 
I mean, that's the human nature, isn't it? I, I remember some times as a youth pastor uh, dropping the last kid off. It was never, I always was able to hang in there till I dropped the very last child off. I'm telling you, on my all-nighters, my longest drive in the history of my life was from that last house to home. I almost found myself saying, I just need to pull off the road and sleep because I'm not safe. (laughs) So, I, I mean, we all understand that we have this need and they were sleeping. There was a lot of activity coming up to the time in the garden. Okay, their bodies were weary. So we can't be too hard on the disciples because I find myself, when I'm very hard on them, I fall into the same habits. (laughs) Amen? But it says that he went away again, verse 44, and he prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Wow. Jesus had a grip on God's sovereignty. Now, there's some verses I want you to have here, and I'm going to put them up so that you can get them in time. Psalm 115.3, Proverbs 6.9, Romans 8.26, 2 Chronicles 26, Zechariah 4.6. All of these verses, and there's so many more, I didn't put them all up here, have to do with the sovereignty of God. God is in control. The one in the Psalms says God is in the heavens and he does as he pleases. That's sovereignty, okay? So, and, and then you'll, uh, as you go through these, you'll see other uh, scriptures along with the fact that God is in control. Now, as the Lord spoke to us through tongue and interpretation today, He said, do not be afraid. I guess it was a word that came. He said, don't be afraid. I know what's happening. Uh, I listened to uh, a a reporter that gives the news. The reason I listened to him is I like the last thing he says. I listened to him online. Last thing he says is, uh, prepare yourself physically, mentally, and above all, spiritually, God is in control. I can listen to reports like that because it puts it in perspective. No matter what's happening, God's in control. And that's what Jesus said. And if you want to unlock and unleash God's power like never before in your life, begin to allow God's sovereignty like never before. Then the last one is going to bring us in to our final Uh, to, to our next key word for unlocking and unleashing God's power, and it has to do with prayer. Jesus was in the garden, and again, you, you don't think that he was, uh, intense in prayer. It says while he was praying to the Father that sweat like blood poured from his pores, That's stress. And by the way, that's a medical fact that you can be under such duress that the capillaries break in the top of your 
uh, membranes of your skin and you start to bleed and sweat out blood. Anybody ever been under that kind of stress? I think that, that uh, I, I can take a load off and say, God, I have it pretty good. But it happened to the Lord as he was praying. It said, sweat like the drops of blood came down. This was not something that was abnormal for Jesus. It wasn't because that it was his first time to pray. And so because he had never prayed before, he was sweating drops of blood. Okay? Jesus had made this a pattern of his ministry. Jesus always prayed. Jesus was always on his face before God. And uh, that's the next thing I want you to see, that this is a pattern and a habit. If you want to unlock God's power in your life, prayer needs to be a pattern and a habit in your life. Anything you do for 21 days becomes a habit. I, uh, for years, had somebody who we would hold one another accountable that whenever we saw one another, before we even greeted a hello, the first thing we asked one another is, did your feet hit the floor? And the point of it was, from the moment your feet hit the floor, you need to be in prayer communication with the Lord. From the minute your feet hit the very first part of your day, you need to say, Lord, praise the Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. What is it you have on your agenda today, Lord? How is it, Lord, that you want me to accomplish that? I know I got to go to work, but work is not who I am. Work is what I do. So, God, what do you have for your ambassador today? What do you have for me to do? Jesus made this a pattern in Luke 5.16. talks about Jesus getting up before it was light during the dark. Why did he do that? I think because it was a time he wasn't bothered. It was precious time. It was time where he had no interruptions. It was time that he could be with God by himself and only the Lord. Mark 1.35 again talks about it. It wasn't just something he did on occasion. It was something he did all the time. Jesus got up and got alone. The psalmist writes in Psalm 5.3, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning. O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. Isn't it interesting the thing, the other thing the Lord said today was what? Look up. Look up. Lift your countenance up. I love it when God does that throughout our service. Do you see how the Holy Spirit moves to bring it all together? That's Psalm 5.3. Then Genesis 19.27. And again, with these that I'm giving you, 
These are not exhaustive scriptures. We could go on and on with list after list, but this shows you that prayer in the morning needs to be a habitual thing. You wouldn't dream about going on a long trip without gassing your car up first. Why would you consider going throughout a long day without gassing your spirit up first? (laughs) Amen? If you want to unlock the power of God in your life, we've got to understand the battle between the spirit and the flesh. And we've got to understand that the power is there to win But God won't do one thing. He will not force you. He won't possess you. He will let you say, God, I will to do it. And he will empower you. And then get a grip on God's sovereignty. Guys, we win. We win. Even if they take our bodies, we win. (laughs) Hallelujah, we win. And then give yourself to prayer. Talk to God. And do it at the very start of your day. I I challenge you, it will change your heart. It will change your life. It's bringing that focus. God, this is the beginning and I'm going to focus on you. Here I am, Lord. And I have found even if it's time that you do on your drive to work, When I was a young man, I got challenged by my father-in-law because in all my young arrogance, I said, well, I don't have time to pray. And he said, well, bring me your schedule. (laughs) So I brought him my schedule. I have to be honest. I wrote down to where I didn't have a bit of time anywhere. (laughs) My father-in-law grabbed that. You know, the first thing he said, what do you do on the way to work? It's kind of, what do you do on the way to work? I I listen to the radio. I listen to the radio. He said, how long does it take you to get to work? 10 to 15 minutes. That's 30 minutes if you do it on the way there and back. Do you see what I'm saying? All of us can be challenged that we have a place to give to the Lord if we will look. Amen? Amen? Amen. The power of God is wanting to be unlocked in our life, but we have to be obedient to allowing it to be unlocked. Bow your head with me this morning.